Good morning, Bay family. Everybody doing good? Great to see you. Want to welcome Mobile Campus, Foley Campus. Thanks for being part of our weekend experience. A couple things real quick, if you will. Remember, we have a group of guys going over this next week to Honduras, to our Honduras campus. We have found a, uh, we have rented or leased a, a long-term facility there, kind of finally found our home. We won't be portable. They're renovating right now, building out. These guys are going to go work and serve, so keep them in your prayers. Also, we've had with us for several weeks, well, several months, Lisa and Keith Coggin. They are missionaries to Uganda. They have been under our covering. We're their church. I'm their pastor, and they have a ministry there, a Christian school to children. They're expanding. Uh, would you guys stand up? Uh, let's let everybody take a look at you guys. Keith and Lisa, do you welcome them? Yeah. They are currently working on finishing another facility that a ministry gave them, uh, and uh, the exterior is kind of finished, the interior is not, and it's going to become a training center for teachers. This country's been out of war now for seven or eight years, and so the teachers really need educating and biblical education. So uh, that process is starting. We have people in our church who have been helping Lisa write curriculum for the children there. They have a wonderful place, and we're really proud of them. So they'll be in the commons at Malbus. If you get a chance, stop by and see them. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians 3 and Luke 6. Galatians 3 and Luke 6. You almost have it memorized because nobody's turning. I'm impressed. So anyway, since you already know that, I don't have to wait. Let me go ahead and say this. Uh, next weekend, Malvis campus, we will be going in our new facility. If you pray real hard that two or three little things are completed and we get passed on inspections and all that good stuff. So anyway, uh, right now, that's where we'll be. And uh, if not, we'll be back in here, okay? But uh, that's what we're planning on next weekend, and so it's going to be a wonderful weekend, and we're looking forward to that. Okay, in the series, we're in the second part of the series, The Blessed Life. The purpose of the series is to understand blessed and how to be blessed. And so I want to start with a question. If someone walked up to you and say, and they ask, how can I understand what Jesus came to do for me? How can I understand what Jesus came to do for humanity? Well, the answer is in Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So why did Jesus come? He came because mankind, we were under a curse. Since the fall of man, we are under a curse. When Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden, they lived under total and complete blessing. Last weekend, I talked about the seven areas of blessing that God has. Adam and Eve, until, they, until sin, they lived under that. It was perfect because God is a good God. He wants us blessed. He didn't create us to live under curses. He created us to live under blessing, which means under the lordship of Christ. So God said to Adam and Eve, if you do what I tell you to do, you can expand over the earth and multiply. It's yours. Adam and Eve had provisional immortality. And if they had not sinned, they would not have aged one minute and they would still be alive on earth today. That's how powerful the blessing of God is. By the way, Adam died after he sinned. God warned them, if you eat 
of the tree of the good of, of good and evil if you eat of that tree you will die he said in the day that you eat of it you will die adam was 959 years old when he died well how did he fall into that day second peter the bible tells us to god one day is as a thousand years so adam died at 959 before the second thousand years of human history came into event in god's eyes when they sinned, it evoked a curse on humanity. So let me show you how it happened in Genesis 3, verse 16. To the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire, notice that word, shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. The word desire in the original language isn't a romantic desire. It's a desire to rule. So what God is saying to Eve, to women, no longer will you have this harmonious friendship. Now you're going to want to be the boss. <laughs> and the man's going to want to be the boss. So you're going to have a lot of problems. Now, I know none of you have experienced that, but you have friends that have, right? Yeah. Verse 17, God goes on. Then to Adam, he said, because you heeded the voice of your wife and you've eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of, cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. The curse is still alive, it's still here today. Every curse God spoke. The, the curse of childbirth, there's even the strife among nations, family killing families, nations at war, the earth is groaning. The climatic problems that we are having today is part of the curse. And, and, and let me tell you what, what we've done as mankind. In the last three or four decades, mankind has tried to alter seed so that when they put seed in the ground, that there's insecticide in the seed that will kill the weeds and, and the thistles, Okay. They, man is sometimes we're too smart for our own good because now they're contributing a lot of that to health issues that we have. And so we're trying to outsmart the curse in the natural way with our intellect, okay? Uh, it, it doesn't work. What we have to try to picture, which is hard for us to do, Adam and Eve lived in a paradise with no weeds and no thorns. You say, okay, it's a nice-looking place. But this paradise automatically bore for them what they needed to eat. They, they just went by and picked it off and ate it. it. It was there. They didn't have to work. There was no sweat of the brow. There was no hard work. Because of the fall, God cursed the ground. If there's a farmer listening to me, you know if you leave the ground alone, it doesn't bear fruit, doesn't bear a harvest, just weeds and thorns and thistles. The curse on Adam and Eve is still true, but here's the good news. Through Jesus Christ, that curse is broken, and we can live under the blessings of God. And that's a good thing, right? Yeah, so this message that we're going to look at in, in this uh, sermon is Jesus is talking. He's sharing on the, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he, he's coming to a group of people to speak this. The first word out of his mouth is the word blessed. Jesus came to this group of people that's called the Israelites, and they were cursed. They were living under Roman occupation, basically slaves. They were financially broken. They had no finances. Their families were suffering terribly to the point. Sometimes in Scripture, you'll hear people come to Jesus and ask a question, and you're trying to figure out what they're asking. Here's an example. They came to Jesus and said, can we have divorce? 
can we divorce our wives for any reason or any cause, any time? See, it wasn't no-fault divorce then. It was her-fault divorce because men owned women then. They were legal property. So they, you know, to, to divorce, it, it wasn't a legal proceeding. You just write on a piece of paper, I divorce you, and you send her off with no children and no food and dis, in, in disgrace. It happened every day. And these people are asking Jesus, is that okay? Will you put your stamp on that? Their families were cursed. Their bodies were cursed. You notice how many times, especially in the book of Mark, that Jesus is healing people. Why? Because of sickness and disease in their bodies and the demonized people, all of this. They they had every curse you could name. And Jesus comes to these people and he's telling them, in spite of all that you've done, in spite of everything that's going on, I still love you and there is a road back to blessed. And this message is entitled, The Road Back. The good news, there is a road back to bless. And if we've made mistakes, if we have mistakes in our families, there are, you know, there are curses that have come through family history. And, and, and when you look back at family and you see people who were rebellious toward God, they always brought curses into that family. But again, the good news is Jesus came, and regardless of how much has gone wrong in your family, regardless of how much you've done wrong, whatever's going on, you, what you, whatever you're living, if you're living in or under a curse, that can be broken, and you can live the blessed life. And that is really good news today, right? Right. So Jesus came to break the curse. He came to this group of people, the Israelites, who were cursed He's opening his mouth. He's going to teach them on the Sermon on the Mount, and and they're going to hear him talking, and he's telling them how they can get back to God because they were created to be blessed. So listen to the language, and then I'm going to break some of this down. Luke 6, verse 20. Jesus lifted up his eyes toward the disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when, when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you. Cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. For indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in the like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full. For you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now. For you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now, if you just listen to that language and you read that language like you've just listened to, it can be very confusing because you have to understand the culture, the setting, the time, the language he's speaking in. And what Jesus is doing, he's telling them how to be blessed. I'll take a couple verses and explain. Like verse 20, blessed are you poor for yours is the kingdom of God. There are many who didn't understand the original language and believe that God they, they actually took this and believe that God blesses them and they're in poverty. They're, they're blessed because they're in poverty. And they think, well, if you have resources and funding, then, then that, that can't, there's something wrong with that. That's not what he's saying at all. Matthew records it, and he records it just a little different that helps us understand. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So the issue here is money, but he's saying, will you admit to your spiritual poverty? Here's why. Every one of us is born in a sin nature. That means your spirit man is dead. You are a spirit, possess a soul, you live in a body. Until you're born again, your spirit man is dormant. When you're born again, your spirit man comes alive. And in order to be blessed and to walk in this, 
uh, spiritual blessing, you, that man has to come alive. So in order to be blessed, there comes a point in your life that you, you have to say, not somebody talked you into it, not somebody manipulated you, not somebody guilted you up and made you feel bad. So you said the prayer or whatever. No, you have to come to the place in your life where you say, I need God. I, need, I can't do this without you. I'm empty on the inside. I'm hurting. There's something wrong. I can't fix it. The key is humility. God loves humility. He hates pride. James said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble people. Listen, this is what it means. It doesn't mean that you live in poverty, and it doesn't mean that you're in that mindset. Humble people are simply people who acknowledge their need for God. And what Jesus is saying to this very stubborn, hard-headed group of people, we don't have any of those in, in South Alabama, but they had them then. The, this stubborn, hard-headed group of people, and even some of the people were rebellious, in spite of all their misery, they would not bow the knee and admit they needed God. So what did they do? They kept trying to do it on their own, and they're digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And this has been going on for generations and generations and generations. And Jesus came to them and says, don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want to get out of this hole? Don't you want to get out from under this? Don't you want to go back to the blessings and the glory days? So they weren't there in the glory days, but they've heard them taught. And so he's, he's saying, listen, the glory days when David, a man after my heart, who was full of humility, and he came, and, 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 and the nation was blessed because he acknowledged that he needed me. Blessed are you poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. To live a blessed life, we have to bow the knee, we have to humble ourselves and say, God, we need you. We need you as a nation. We need you as a, listen, it, it, any of this stuff that's going on, the, the key to it is this nation in a state of humility saying we need God back. We, we need this attitude of humility in our homes, in our families, with our children, with our marriages. We, we, we need God. We really do. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, God is saying, I'll give you the whole kingdom if you'll just admit that you, you need me. And that's where pride gets in the way. That's where arrogance gets in the, in the way. That's why David didn't have a problem with this. He was so broken before the Lord and humble before the Lord. So verse 21, let's look at that one. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Now, I just wondered if this is what that means, that some of you ate before you came to church. Woe to you. <laughs> You're full. Some of you did not eat. Blessed are you, because you didn't eat. You think that's what it means? I don't think so. Here's what it means. Listen, see this language, unless you understand it and how, what, all, all the backdrop behind it, here's what he's saying. We all have an inner void. We all have an empty spot. You were built and this empty spot has to be filled. You will spend your whole life trying to fill it. And here's what you fill it with. There are four things. It's acceptance, it's security, identity, and purpose. You wake up every day, not consciously, you wake up every day and you're trying to get those four needs met. We need those four needs met in our lives. If we don't trust God to meet those needs, here's what we do. We automatically transfer those needs to people, to a spouse, to things, to objects, it, 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 could, it could be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be money. It could be success. It could be sex. It could be an attainment. We all have those inner needs. So what Jesus is saying in that statement, blessed are you when you come to me to get your inner void filled. 
See, we're, this, this world, this nation of ours, we're all so thirsty for a drink of something that will finally satisfy us. We're not satisfied. People, until people come to Christ and know him, they are not satisfied. Money can't satisfy you. People can't satisfy you. Success can't satisfy you. It can't fill that void. The only thing that will satisfy you is Jesus. And he says, woe to you who are hungry. Woe to you. You're still looking. You're still trying to satisfy something. And you, you, you've taken someone else or something to fill the hole and you don't need me. And literally, if you're in that place, it means you're walking under a curse. The last half of verse 21, B says, blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh. Listen, it, it's not blessed to weep. But there are people in our community, there are people in the world that weep. There are people weeping right now that are not blessed. Well, what does that mean? It means blessed are you when you turn your pain toward God because he heals the pain. So when you're weeping, there's pain, there's hurt, there's disappointment. We all have pain in our lives. We grow up in a world that inflicts a lot of pain, but you have to do something with that pain. The physical pain is difficult pain. You cut your hand, you break a bone, you pull your back. That, that's physical pain. You go to the doctor, you get mended up, and then God heals, the body heals, and God touches you and all that. But the hard pain is soul pain. Soul pain is pain that comes from abuse, from rejection, from shame, from premature death of a loved one, those things that happen that make no sense. Here's the point. We all have pain, and we have to do something with it. And when, when, when you see people today, and there are people today that have addictions, and it could be to drugs or alcohol or sex or food. You have addictions with something. When you see addicts, here's what they're doing. They're medicating the pain. But here's the issue. You have to get honest about your pain. And it's good to be honest with a person, but it's totally different when you become honest with God. And if you want to live a blessed life, you want God's blessings on you, you're going to have to have a real conversation with Jesus yourself. And you're going to have to own up and you're going to have to say, because see, he's the only one that can fix it. He's the only one that understood. He saw what happened. He understands. He's still understanding. And if you turn, see, if you turn your pain toward a drug or alcohol or food, listen, it's not long before you have two problems. And, 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 and you turn that pain toward that. It's not, you know, you're not getting rid of the pain. You turn the pain toward Jesus. He's the only one that can go past your body and past your mind and reach with his healing hand into the recesses of your soul and remove the stinger, if you will, so that the pain is not there anymore. That's why we have freedom classes. We've been doing freedom classes four or five years. They'll start in a few weeks. Why? Because most people, believers, have pain. They have a stinger, and we've learned how to medicate it. We've learned how to get along, we, but we don't want to be along, so we become workaholics, or we, we, we do this and we do that, and there's some pain that we need to get rid of. And all of that stuff that you had addiction to is not needed if the pain's gone. So you're free. No more medication. Blessed are you who, when you mourn toward God, every day we get hurt in something because life hurts, but what do you do with the pain? You give it to God. The people Jesus is talking to on the Sermon on the Mount, I've been there, I've stood right there where it is, and I could just imagine him looking back up that slope, and he's looking at these people, and they're Jewish people, and they have turned their pain to every vice in their world. I think that's what we do in America. I think people turn their pain to every vice that we can come up with in this world. But here's what it was doing to God's people. And here's what Jesus said. He's saying, it's killing you. 
it's ruining your reputation and it's ruining your destiny. Their reputation is, here's this little small nation that's smaller than the state of New Jersey. Here are my people that I have blessed because I'm blessing you because I want every nation to look at you and say, oh, their God is the God of blessings. Their God is Jehovah God. I'm going to bless them. But you're ruining the reputation of God because look at you. You're broke. You're sick. You're, you're a slave, basically. You're this, you're that. And the, here's the big thing, too. You're, you're, you're ruining your destination, your, your destiny is never going to be fulfilled. You're on the wrong road. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'll show you how to get back on the road to blessed. But where does it start? It starts with honesty. It starts being honest with God. Luke 6, Jesus goes on. He says, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Verse 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Here's what he's saying here. So listen. You have to choose sides. If you are ashamed of God, you will never live a blessed life. There's only one God in the universe. He's our only hope. And he is willing to, he's willing to come and die for us and break the curse off our life. He deserves our utmost loyalty. And you have to understand the day we live in this 21st century. We don't just live in an agnostic world where people kind of like don't really believe the Bible. No, it has become a world of anti-Christ, anti-Christian, where people hate Jesus Christ and they hate Christians. Even if you're a nice guy, a nice person, they hate you simply because you're a moral person. And Jesus said, blessed are you when you stand on my side. I'm paraphrasing what he said in the verses I just read. When you stand on my side, rejoice in that. Oh, and your reward in heaven is going to be great, but you have to choose sides. You can't have one foot in, one foot out. Jesus is saying, when all people speak well of you all the time, you're doing something wrong. It means you're a chameleon. You change your personality around different people. You want to be accepted in this group, accepted in that group. So you change. You change what you believe, what you say, how you act. You want to be accepted. Listen, I want people to like me, but everybody doesn't like me. I don't want people to hate me, but there are people that hate me. I, 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 I don't want people to talk bad about me, but there are probably people that talk bad about me. I don't enjoy that. I never will enjoy that, but it's a reality of life when you serve Jesus. It's a reality of life. It's just going to happen. Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah says. Listen, to, there's two key phrases in this. Listen to him. In Jeremiah 17, 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be a man that trusts in man. You trust in man. You trust in popular opinion. You trust in being accepted. All these people, you've got to fit in. You got, you're this chameleon. Here, here's what you look like. And spiritually, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not and shall not see when good comes. He shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. But look, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Look at this description of him. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes when pressure comes, but it's a, and its leaf will be green, it'll be productive, and will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Hey, guess what? 
you stand up for the Lord and you believe in the Lord and you're, you, you know who you are. You're like a tree planted. You, it may be a desert. There may be heat. There may be all this stuff going on, but you're going to stand out because guess what? You're pulling from a different river and different water and you're going to have leaf and you're going to have produce and you're going to have fruit and it's going to be obvious. But cursed is the man who trusts in man. When you put your hope in people, people want you to compromise. Well, they, not intentionally. They're not, it's just, it's, it's just subconscious. They want you to compromise. I'll give you, I'll give you a point. You have a good friend and let's say you're close and you have a stand for life over abortion and they stand for abortion over life. Their, their desire, they're going to work you to pull you to that unless you know how to stand and you're not ashamed to stand. Or if you take a stand for morality, no, this is being moral and not self-righteously doing it, but these are moral standards. When you take a stand that, oh, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Do you know that there are Christians today who are compromising on that statement? Do you know that the word specifically says he's the only way? He is the only way to get to heaven. He's the only one to get to the Father. But you see, what, what has to happen is we have to believe the things we say. We have to stand up for those, these things that we say. My point is, are you willing to endure that for the sake of what Christ wants to do in your life? Or are you going to compromise your faith so people will think better of you, so they'll like you more? Oh, and just P.S., on the day of judgment, those people won't be there. Only Jesus will be there. And in this life on earth that you get and the life beyond, God and God alone has the ability to bless you. Not people, not organizations, not things, but God and God alone. And it doesn't matter what they say. It matters what God says. When you stand on God's side, he will bless you 100% of the time. I listen to people. I listen to business people, and they talk, and I hear them making de- I don't say anything, but I'll listen. And they're making a decision on things that are right where some are make a decision, and they can cut a corner, and nobody will know it, and they get a little extra this and a little extra that. I've heard men say, that, you know, I'm, I'm doing it this way. This is the right thing. I, I stopped doing that because God convicted me, and I'm doing the right thing. When you do the right thing, I am telling you by the word of God that he will bless bless you and bless you every time. When you do the wrong thing, you're putting one foot forward on the wrong road and you're being pulled and manipulated to get under a curse so that you begin to manipulate and do things that are not going to bless you. Hello. If you are constantly shifting around, changing your mind, everything in your life is shifting around based on what people say, popular opinion, and trends to the way you live your life. When you go with people, people will change their minds in a heartbeat. When you go with God, he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So go back to the story. Jesus comes to a cursed group of people who would not admit their spiritual hunger, trying to fill their needs in every other way than God. What were they doing, these Israelites? They're medicating themselves rather than turning themselves to the Lord and bow the knee They're bowing a knee to the fear of man and what people thought. Basically, Jesus is saying, you've renounced God. And Jesus said, but I still love you. I still love you. Isn't that incredible? He came to them on that sermon and he's saying, hey, there's a road back to blessed. You want to break this curse off of generations? You want to break this off your family? Turn it into a blessing. Here's how you do it. Now. When the, when the Beatitudes were finished and he taught those, then he starts talking about money. And I've often wondered, did it get as quiet there as it does here when you talk about money? <laughs> Matthew 6, 24. 
he said, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hey, in this series, I got, a whole, I got a whole sermon on mammon. Mammon is not what you think it is, okay? Mammon is actually a spirit. Can you serve God and can you serve this spirit? And by the way, this spirit, here's what it promises you. It promises you the four things that fill your void. Every one of them, security, identity, acceptance, all of those same things. That's what it promises you, but it cannot deliver. And it promises you that if you have, if you, if you do this, this, and this, you will get that. You never get that because it's a lie. It's a false spirit. And I'll tell you more about that in a few weeks. Okay. Luke 6, 38. I talked about this last weekend. If you missed it, you go back to that sermon and listen to it. Jesus said, give, it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Both texts I just read, Jesus is talking about being blessed, but he talks about giving. Why is there such a profound promise relating to giving? Because giving represents humility. Humility says, I need you, God. Humility says, I recognize the fact I didn't make this money, but you gave me the grace to make this money. You gave me the grace to have this wealth, and, I, and it has it come from you. It didn't come from me, and I give. Listen, and when you give, you're saying to God that you recognize where it comes from, and you have a state of humility about you. Humility. And, and, and listen, let, let me just get off of money a little bit so maybe you can breathe. Uh, but your giftings, everyone in this room, you have special giftings and talents that God put in you. You are unique. You're one of a kind. And all of your creativity and your, 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 your brain power, your, 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 your visions, your, all of that stuff and your ability to do this, all those giftings came from God. The breath in your lungs came from God. The energy in your body came from God. To wake up in the morning, it comes from God. It all came from him. So what am I saying? I need to make him first in my life. Before money, before things, before marriage, I need to make him first. I need to seek him to fill the emptiness, and then I stay loving you first, and then my relationship with him becomes honest and not just lip service. You can fool me with lip service. You can fool your neighbor with lip service. We can't fool Jesus. And if you're doing lip service and you're, do, you're saying something here, but you're living something else out there and you're, it's not lining up, that's lip service. And, 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 and by the way, that means that your heart is living a different life. Your body and what's coming out of your body and what you're saying is lip service and it's projecting this, but what's really going on in the heart is a different life. But when you say, I love you, Lord, and I'm willing to give as an acknowledgement of my love, that's a sincere relationship. That's not lip service. In other words, God, I'm choosing you and not mammon's side. Here's what I'm trying to say. We have to choose. But know that giving says, I've chosen God. I'm thankful for money, but it's not my master. And the reason I know is that I can give. If you can't give, money may be your master. You, you understand that if you know him intimately, he talks to you. His spirit will impress you. I mean, you may hear something audible. God bless you if you do. It impresses my heart. I have an impression. I can't hear him if I'm full of pride. Why? Because he doesn't like pride. It goes against him. 
but when I'm full of humility and he says give. So when you throw out the teaching, and I will in a few weeks, I'm not going to tell you when because I want you to be here, but when I throw out a teaching on tithe, 10%, oh, all the walls go up, okay? If the walls go up and the resistance, you're going to have a hard time listening to the master of Christ because you're listening to the master of money and you're bowing to the fear of man, your fear that if you give, because in the natural, it makes no sense to give and I get more. In the natural, it means hold on to it. But this is not natural. This is spiritual. This is a spiritual blessing. And so what we have to do is say, no, he's my master. Watch, when he's your master, he'll tell you, you, you're gonna, you, you'll do the things he tells you to do. And then occasionally he just drops something else in your spirit to do, just to give. It's amazing when it happens. And, and what I've learned, I've learned that when he says do it, I do it. Because if I don't, he'll double or triple the amount. That's just me. So when he says do something, I'm ready to do it. I want to do it. I don't want to argue. Why? Because I want him to be my master, not money, not finances, not security, not all those things. They're all his. He's given them to me to be a good steward. And all he's wanting you to do, watch, is so when he whispers and speaks to you, you do something. And here's what he does. He increases your capacity to receive more so because he, he knows he can trust you. Here's what it basically means. He, he increases your ability for more because now he knows that pride in you is diminishing and humility is steadfast. And when you're full of humility, let me tell you something. He'll take you from a little 40 by 50 metal building on the other side of town and take you to a place where there's thousands of people that you never dreamed or thought could happen. Why? Just because of humility that you know it's him and it's not me. It's not about people. It's about Christ and what he wants to do in the lives of people. Okay, I'm finished. <laughs> hey, I want to close like this. Last week I prayed a pastoral prayer over you. I'd like to pray uh, scripture over you. Is that okay? Yes. Anybody have a problem with scriptures being prayed over you? You do? No, okay. So here's what I want you to, Mobile Foley, don't, don't leave the room. I just want you to stand, just close your eyes. And as I read this scripture, it's God speaking. It's his holy word. And you receive it. A pastor will come and close in just a moment, so don't leave until he comes to close. Let me read this. Just close your eyes. Just receive it. It's from the Lord. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, your business, your work, your labor, your baskets and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in, blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They'll come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. There's that identity. There's that recognition. And they will fear you 
And that word fear, Lord, is a word of, re they're going to reverence the God on you and God will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, in the young of your livestock, in the crops of your ground, in the land that was sworn to you, ancestors that are given to you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the works of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but not borrow from them. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be on the top, the blessed life, and never at the bottom, the cursed life. And if you believe that and receive it, say yes and amen. Yes, yes and amen. Give the Lord a hand.